Uh, y'all ready for the word? Anybody love the word of God? Anybody love to be challenged by the word of God? Anybody been challenged the last couple weeks? I've been challenged as well. Man, it's like we got we to get off this series. It's just like this is way too convicting. Uh, we're going to talk about blessing and prosperity for the next five months. Um, I'm joking, kind of. Uh, this is Smoke and Mirrors Part 3. Smoke and Mirrors Part 3, our last uh, message in this series. James chapter 1 has been our text. In verse 22 it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Everyone should have this memorized by now. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This scripture tells you how to be blessed. So I guess this scripture is a little bit about blessing because it's telling us how to be blessed. It says, don't just listen to the word, do what it says. And we've been talking about this, smoke and mirrors is a series, and smoke and mirrors is a phrase. If you look it up, it actually is, is an act of deception. It is showing you one thing while another thing passes by. It is giving the best of something while hiding the worst of something. Smoke and mirrors is, a, is what I believe a little bit of, uh, has pulled some of Christianity into it, in that we present the best part of us and we hide the worst part of us. We come to church, and church is like the perpetual first date. You know the first date? It's like, you know, you, you, you borrow your buddy's car because you're not pulling up in yours. You go and get a brand new wardrobe because, you're, you know, you're not going to wear what you, the old stuff. And you put on the bed. And then it's like, you know, six months into the relationship and you're just like, yeah, I don't have a car. I don't have a job. I, you know, it kind of all starts to come out. But first date, you know, it's put on. This is what we do in church. Church is like the perpetual first date. It's like we put on at the place that we should feel the safest to let walls come down. And to be ourselves, to be able to come to grips that each of us are on a journey and that we should, by just the things that we've been through, we should be able to respect the journey that others are on to. But what has happened is that we have been so judgmental of others that we have failed to develop ourselves. And in failing to develop ourselves, there has been a, a, a hypocrisy that has grown in the church that now unbelievers can't trust believers because the believer is no different than the unbeliever because we act, do the same things that they do, affected the same way they are. So we're talking about aligning our lifestyle, the way that we live, our behavior with what we really believe. Last week we talked Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 through 25. Let's just read it just because it's so fun. But the fruit, the fruit, the evidence, the sign. Of the Spirit is prophecy, healing, faith. No. The fruit of the Spirit is, some of y'all are like, yes, amen. That's right, brother. No. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's forbearance or patience. It's kindness. It's goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We talked about this last week, that the evidence 
of the Spirit is the fruit. And we can have right evidence if we have right dependence, which means if I depend on God, if I'm connected to Him, it will naturally bear fruit in my life. If I'm connected to the vine, it will naturally bear fruit. You do not have to coax an apple tree into producing apples. It's an apple tree, and all it can produce is apples. You can't get an apple tree to produce oranges because it's an apple tree. The fruit of the Spirit is the same. It's not the fruits, plural, of the Spirit. It is the fruit. I'm great at goodness. I'm just not very good at patience. No, it's the fruit, which means they grow together, which means your tree is not just patience or self-control. It is fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. The evidence of a God-connected, God-centered life is the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about this last week, and, and, and I don't know if you've been tested in this or had this on your mind at all, but I have had multiple situations that have come up, and I'm like, gentleness, Dustin, gentleness. It's the fruit. The evidence of a God-centered, God-filled life is the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit. Now, our text today is Psalm. The book of Psalms Chapter 1, the, the book of Psalms is a, uh, a book of writings, 150 writings. Many were written by King David. And so a lot of these collection in words of wisdom. Uh, there's actually great theology in the book of Psalms, uh, great comfort in the book of Psalms. And we're going to start in the very book, chapter uh, front of the book, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Verse 2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now this text in, in the book of Psalms actually lays a foundation for the rest of the book declaring the blessedness of the righteous and the misery or the, or, or, the, or the future of the wicked. It gives us this contrast, that's what Psalms does, it gives us a contrast of what to do to be blessed, what to do to be prosperous, what to do to be happy. I don't know if you know this or not, but our life really is comprised of people chasing the ultimate dream. Chasing happiness, chasing fulfillment, chasing riches, chasing, and we do it in all kinds of different ways, and all you have to do is wake up at 3 a.m. and turn on an infomercial to find out there's all kinds of different ways that people are seeking different things. You ever done that? Those infomercials are really wild. I mean, it's like, did someone really put the money into inventing that? Yes, because everybody's seeking a better way to do something, and contentment, I think, more than ever, is at an all-time low. To find someone that's just okay with life. And I'm not talking about settling. I'm talking about just content with I'm happy with myself. I'm happy with what God's given to me. And I'm happy with God. It is really difficult to find someone that is happy in all of those areas. To actually be contented. Or should I say this? To actually be at peace. Just to have peace in your heart, to have peace in your soul, to lay down in the bed at night and breathe a deep breath of fresh air and just say, God, you're good. 
Or are you riddled with stress? Are you riddled with anxiety? Do you have to turn something on or, or, or turn your attention away from something just so that you can try to slip into sleep and get away from a day so you can get into another day for a fresh start? I'm telling you, God wants to bring us in to a place of living, of peace that is contentment and righteousness and prosperity and prospering and peace and goodness, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit living in those things. I was, I was driving actually on the way home from church uh, a couple days ago, and, and I was here at the church, and I was driving, and uh, I was stopped at a stoplight, and during the stoplight, during the stoplight, I just want to, I pulled out my phone because it was going off incessantly, and so at the stoplight, at a complete stop, I pulled out my phone, and I was looking at, at, at some texts at the time that the light turned green. Well... I must have been maybe half second late to accelerating when the man lacking the fruit of the Spirit behind me in a massive tow truck loses his mind. We go through the light. He made it through the light. He made it through the light. He is up on my bumper. I have a small little car. Pastor Steve calls it cute. So I'm in the market for a large truck. Um... I'm in my little car, and I'm driving, and, and, and this tow truck is like on my tail. I mean, he is, he's swerving. I'm looking in the rearview mirror. He's throwing up his arms. He's cussing. It is not hard to read his lips on what he's saying. And I'm like, did he say fruit? No, it wasn't fruit. It wasn't fruit. Uh, and, and, and so he, I'm, I'm there, and, and so literally we turn the corner. He pulls around beside me, and he's just beside me, just losing his mind, waving his arms. He rolls down the window. He sticks his head out. He's driving, his, car, his truck is like nine times the size of my car, and he's just sticking his head out. And I'm like, okay, I've, ha I've had it. I'm like, I'm about, to, I'm about to lose my mind back. And so he takes off, and I'm just like, I'm sitting there infuriated that he would even treat me like this. He made his light anyways. I just gas it. I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I'm just like, I'm like, come at me, tow truck. As soon as I press the accelerator, I hear the Lord say, fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. I hate this series. I told you. I hate it. It's not right. It's unfair. There's injustice in this world. And I drove all the way home thinking, that is so interesting how a God connected. Just us hearing. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Just by hearing the word of God, our life begins to change because we become aware of a new possibility or a new behavior or a new dimension where usually, maybe, old Dustin, I don't know what I would have done, waged my arms back. It's like, what, what does that even accomplish? When you think about anger, it's the most humorous thing that we do. Like, what does it do? Like, are we going to pull over and just, like, duke this out? I mean, like, what, what really are we going to do right now? And, and, and the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And I simmered down, and I was just praying. I said, Lord, forgive me for being so quick to operate from me and not be connected to you. See, we, got, we have to live a God-connected, God-centered life. And naturally, naturally, I didn't think, Dustin, please have patience right now. You No, Dustin, don't do it. Your reputation, your all I had to do was be connected. And in the connection, 
the fruit just became obvious. This passage in Psalms gives us three different ways uh, how we can live and prosper. How we can be planted and prosper. The first one is who I walk with. This is a question that you got to ask yourself, who I walk with. The scripture says, verse 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not or doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now many of us, we just dismiss the scripture and continue on, but this holds keys to how we live our life. And you need to know this, that sin doesn't just happen one day. Sin happens, or sin is, or always begins in seed form. Just the way that fruit begins is the same way that sin begins. Fruit of the Spirit is not the only type of fruit. You bear fruit in your life based on the decisions that you make, based on the seeds that you plant, and according to this principle, who you live your life with. We are huge about this when we talk to our children who their friends are, who they're connected with, who they run with, who they're hanging out with, what vocabulary they're using, what they're talking about when they're staying up all night, what are they doing, where are they going. But in our own lives, we're mature enough that we feel like that principle doesn't really apply to us. I mean, you know, he's 17. He doesn't know better. Well, I'm just going to say this just real gently. If the fruit of your life is dysfunction, then you don't know better either. Because who you hang out with, this is, not, this is not just like some archaic principle that parents use to manipulate their kids to do what they wanted. This is founded in the Word of God, that who I surround myself with affects the trajectory of my life. The verse shows us the progression of sin. Now, I want to do this. Let me, just, let me just do this with a volunteer. Mr. Ricky Petty, come on up here for a second. I love picking on Ricky. Oh, oh my goodness. Boy, I'm glad Pastor Chapai is coming tonight. I thought we were going to have to pray for your, pray for your knee. Okay, just stand, stand over here for a second. I'm, I'm going to show you the, the trajectory or the, the process that this scripture talks about. It, it, it starts by saying how you walk. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. We think that all of these are the same, but they're actually very different. If you can put actually that scripture on the screen, guys, when you get a a chance. Walking in this context means that I'm walking in the opposite direction. For instance, if the righteous are walking this way, Ricky's walking this way, I'm walking this, I'm going towards destruction. It is walking a separate way. Okay, now we're going to use Ricky as the negative example because that's just better. I'm going to switch that around. I, I like being the positive one. So, this is righteousness over here, and this is, a, this is the life that Psalm is talking about, that the righteous man does not live this way. He does not walk this way. The first principle that they show us is the way that we walk. Walk is direction. This is how sin starts, just by going the same direction. It says the righteous man doesn't even go in the same direction. But this is how sin starts. It starts out by walking in the same direction. The next one, it says, is that they stand, nor stands in the path of sinners. If you look in the context of the scripture, you look in, in the Hebrew, this word stand, let's just stand right here, center stage. Stand is now I am hanging out with. When I walk, I'm beginning to walk in the same direction of. Now when I stand, just come over here. This is going to represent sinners, okay? This is, this is bad 
bad character. This is negative people that you hang out with. When I stand, this is the next stage, I just begin to camp out. This is association. So one is direction. Second is association. And then the third one, it says, or those who sit. So I want you to sit here. Sitting is now, now we've walked in the same direction. It's progressive. See, some of you wonder, like, how did I ever fall into sin? You started walking in the direction of it. And then you chose to stand. And you probably said, I'm strong enough to stand here. But when you stand there long enough, you eventually sit. And now the, the sit, that, that word actually means to settle there. So this is not a temporary sitting. This is now where we are and who we are. This is where many of us find our lives stuck in dysfunction, stuck in habits that we can't get out of, rhythms. And we say, how did we get in this rhythm? You walked in the direction of it. You stood next to it in associate, and then you begin to participate in it. And participation is where you now sit in this seat. It says that the blessed man, the happy man, the prosperous man does not sit in the seat of the scornful. Scornful is not like what you think it is scornful. Scornful actually is, is, is describing an attitude of I have now come so far that I'm actually scornful or spiteful towards righteous living. You ever you met someone like this in the progression of sin, and then all of a sudden now what they're, they're in what they used to judge, but now that they are in it themselves, now they are judgmental towards everyone else that's not in what they are. Give Ricky a hand. I'd I, I got to give you a little vision. Do not jump down. Oh, my. Oh, my. Boy, Ricky, you are one of a kind, I'll tell you what. This is a progression of how dysfunction happens. We think that just one day we woke up dysfunctional. Man, it's just out of, out, out of nowhere. I just lost my temper. No, you started walking in the direction of frustration. Then you begin to stand around outbursts and begin to associate with people or crews or groups that did what you did and then eventually you find yourself sitting in that place and you ask yourself, I've, talk, I've counseled hundreds of people that ask this question, how did I get here? How did I get here? Do you know what Christians are experts at? Standing right here. So I don't need deliverance because I'm not stuck in the seat. But I continue to walk in this direction and stand next to things I should be separated from. Now this is the, this is the argument that people use is, well, I'm strong enough. I'm strong, I'm strong enough to go where I want to go and do what I want to do. If you're strong enough, you won't do what they do. So if you continue to struggle with what they struggle with and do what they do, you're not strong enough. Well, I'm called to reach them. You can't reach them if you keep on doing what they're doing. Sir, ma'am, you cannot reach them if you keep on doing what they're doing. He says, well, I'm, I'm called to be a light to my friends. You need to walk saved and, and consecrated and sanctified for a couple years to get some rhythm. And God will use the, the example of your godly life to draw them and reach them. But if you consistently hang out with them and participate with them, you will have no platform to speak into their lives. This, most believers don't have a platform. They don't have a platform to speak in someone's life because there is no evidence of the Spirit, which means there is no fruit. And if there is no fruit, there is no evidence. If there's no evidence, there's no connectivity. If there's no connectivity, what are we doing? This is just religious motion. This is just rhetoric. This is just walking through this season of life to 
to accomplish something, to check a, a checklist, to say we've been here. No, life connected to Jesus produces fruit. And in the book of Psalms, everything in the New Testament is found in the Old Testament. You cannot find, you cannot find an Old Testament principle that you cannot find in the New Testament. Or a New Testament principle not revealed in the Old Testament. These things go together. So the Old Testament principle is this. There is a progression to compromise. And it says the blessed man. That word blessed doesn't mean just like they have a lot of stuff. The word blessed means that they are satisfied, that they are happy, that they are vibrant, that they're full of life. Sin will take you, you ever heard this phrase, sin will take you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you wanted to pay. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says this, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Just look at this. Walk with the wise and become wise. Is this not simple? Walk with the wise and become wise. That means walk with those who are doing life how you want to do it. And do life like they're doing it. Walk with people who are living at the level you want to live at. And then you will live at that level. There are all kinds of studies going on right now about low-income housing and low-income living. I've been looking into some of this. And, and, and in this political environment that we live in, I've been researching some of these things. And, and, and it's interesting that the studies are showing that people that live in low-income housing, they have a lower success rate because all they see is other low-income housing. So they did some tests where they would take people out of lower income housing and place them around people with higher education and with higher pay grades. And all of a sudden, their realm of possibility expanded and they had the propensity to greater success. What does that tell us? That whatever you run around with, you become like. Who I walk with. The second one is what I delight in. What I delight in. Verse 2 says, but his delight, the blessed man. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this law, he meditates day and night. With this scripture, actually, meditate here actually means to think, but also to speak. When we think of meditation, we don't think of speaking. We think of silence. We think of Eastern meditation, which is to empty your mind. Biblical meditation is to fill your mind with the word of God. Eastern meditation says empty your mind and come to a peaceful, empty place. Biblical meditation says, no, fill your mind with the word of God and let it do something in you. Did you know that you, can, you cannot, the reason you have to continually go back and meditate is because when you empty your mind, it does not stay empty for very long. You cannot press pause on your brain. You cannot just say, okay, mind, stay empty. You can try to keep that pose, keep that spot, keep that control, but at the end of the day, it gets cluttered again. So the Bible teaches us a supernatural way to renew our mind. It says you've got to think on the law. You've got to think on the word of God and you have to do it day and night. It does not mean in the morning and in the night. It means day and night is referring to continually. The actual Hebrew word means to think, speak, mutter, whisper, groan. It, 
all of these things, it's just get it in you and let it come out of you. Well, I'm just meditating. No, speak the word of God. You need to find passages that speak to you, and you need to say them out of your mouth. Yes, out loud. We believe in a church that uses their mouth, and you need to use your mouth when you pray the scriptures. You need to declare it over your life. I'm meditating on it. There are some things that I say over myself all of the time. In almost every message I preach, you'll probably hear me say something like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I say it all the time. I'm more than a conqueror. I, the, these are scriptures that you will hear all the time. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is, in, is on me because he has anointed me. And on, you, you will hear, who, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Oh, these, these scriptures that speak to your situation, we say this all the time, wherever there's a promise, wherever there's a problem, there's also a promise. You need to find it. And this scripture saying, meditate on it. Think on it. What you delight in, you will think on. What you delight in, you will think on. Now, it is anybody that's been coming to the church, it's no mystery that I love the Seattle Seahawks. I am not a traitor, a turncoat, okay? I was born in Seattle, okay? I'm staying faithful to my roots. Just like you Cowboys fans, if you move somewhere else, I would expect you, I would expect you to stay faithful to your roots, all right? I got to stay faithful. And for Pastor Appreciation, this October's Pastor Appreciation Month, for Pastor Appreciation, the staff got me tickets to next Monday night game in Seattle. I'm flying to Seattle. I'm going to the game. I'm flying back. Like, I delight in the Seahawks. And I also have been thinking on them incessantly since I got those tickets. I'm, th I'm just thinking about it. It's something I enjoy. I delight in it. I love it. I'm thinking about it all the time. I'm thinking about it all the time. I, I, I woke up this morning and I was thinking, I wonder what jersey I'm going to wear to the Seattle Seahawks game. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I wonder if it's going to be cold so I can wear my brand new Seahawks beanie that I just got. Or I wonder if it's going to be warmer and I wear my new Seattle Seahawks hat that I got. Or I wonder, I mean, it's like, I, I'm just going through my closet. Like, what, what am I going to wear? I hope it gets cold and hot so I can wear both things. And, I mean, I, like, I'm thinking on it because I delight in it. You ever tried to think on something that you don't enjoy? No, it just escapes your Either you're critical or it escapes your mind. But when you delight in something, you begin to think on it. You can train your mind to think on the word of God. You can train your mind for your first reaction to a crisis to be, God, I'm focusing on you. Your first reaction when you're about to lose your temper, I'm God-connected. I'm God-centered. So that means the fruit of the Spirit is in me. So I just have to put a pull on what I already know is within me. I can change the way that I live. I can change my behavior. I can live victorious. I can live triumphantly because everything that God's asking of me is actually in me. All I have to do is be connected to Him and it will naturally flow from me we could change the world if we begin to flow and we begin to operate in the fruit of the spirit and begin to have a different demeanor about our life and our lives actually matched our beliefs and our beliefs actually matched our lives it would be amazing if the church would be the church and if Christians would actually be Christians Matthew Henry says we must have constant regard to the word of God as the rule of our actions and the spring of our comforts and have it in our thoughts night and day. 
This scripture is interesting because when it says think on or meditate on the law, the law, that Greek word, is, is a different variation of the word Torah. We know Torah means the law. It is, it is the law. It's a, different, uh, it's a different variation, which actually has another vowel, a feminine vowel in it, which actually changes the word to mean that it is the word of God and the revealed counsel of God, which, which means this, that everything that God, this is saying meditate on the truth that God reveals to you. Not, not just like the, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, not, not, not just the Torah, but whatever he has revealed to you, whatever he has showed you, specifically this means, that word law specifically means the revealed truths of God. And I know in the book of John it says that the truth will set me free. So what Psalms is saying for us to meditate on is what John declares will set us free. It is the revealed truth of God. What is said in the Old Testament is mirrored in the New Testament by saying think on these things and it will produce freedom in your life. Philippians chapter 4. Let's just read this. Verse 4 says rejoice in the Lord. I was waiting for somebody to read that for me. Always. I will say it again. Boy, there's some, there's some emphasis on this. Rejoice in the Lord. Not sometimes, always. I'll, I'll just, for, you know, for your sake, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your, do you remember this word? This is, this is another book of the Bible. This gentleness thing is everywhere. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And when you do that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which means you won't understand why you have peace, but you have peace in the midst of the situation because it transcends understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, if anything is a high thought, a positive thought, a thought centered on the Word of God or on the person of God, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, this is what James says, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You know what I think is interesting is we like to take the promises without the recipe. The peace of God will be with me. Brother, the peace of God will be with says, It says how the peace of God's with you. But we don't want to read that part. We want to tell people the peace of God is with you. Shalom. The peace of God go with you. It's like, but how do you get the peace? By thinking on the right things. Well, this is not just like a bunch of positive thinking. You know, that's not good theology. It's, it's Bible. Think on the whatever is good. That's a positive thought. Whatever is true. Whatever is noble. He says, think. This is what meditation is thinking. It's thinking and speaking the revealed truth of God. And now we see in Philippians, it says, think on these things. The third thing that we see in the text is where I'm planted. So who I walk with and what I delight in. And thirdly, where I am planted. It says, he shall be like a tree 
planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. This is what planted means. In this passage, planted means to be transplanted. This, this is amazing. It, it, means, it doesn't mean to be planted for the first time. It means to be planted. It means to be transplanted. As if you were planted somewhere else and then you were planted in a different, you were planted in one life, and then maybe you were moved, like you were one creation, but you became a new creation because you were replanted, you were transplanted. That's what God connection does, is it transplants you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And he says, I am going to be like a tree that's planted, transplanted. I used to be planted in other things, but now I'm planted in good soil. And now, do you know what, what's interesting about planting is that the roots go down into the soil and it draws nutrients to provide resources, nutrients for the plant. So where you're planted is key to your development. See, especially in the millennial generation, there is a lack of planting. It's a nomad generation. Not committed anywhere. I don't want to really put my roots down anywhere. I just want to be free. I just want to figure it out for myself. I just want to do it. But if you never put your roots down, you will never bear fruit. You can look good being transplanted. But the only way that you produce fruit is to be planted for a long time. See, if you every season jump to a new location, you will never bear fruit because to bear fruit, you have to be planted for a passing of seasons. You cannot just be planted for harvest. You have to be planted long enough to go through winter and to go through spring. you got, you got to be there through seasons. Everybody has a tough season, but in tough seasons, people want to bolt. People want to run. People, want to, people get offended, and they want to uproot, and they want to plant somewhere else. People get, 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 get angry, or people get upset, or they go through tragedy, or they go through crisis, and our first reaction is, I'm pulling up my roots and going somewhere else. No wonder you don't have any fruit. You've got to plant somewhere long enough. I'm just now, I've, I've been preaching, I've been preaching for 19 years. Since I was 16 years old. I've been preaching, preaching the gospel all over the place. Preaching, preaching, preaching. Thousands and thousands of messages. And you know what? I've been in Texas eight years. And right now, I'm starting to see the fruit of eight years ago ministry. Eight years. There are some people, I was just at Stephen Collins' wedding last two weekends ago, and that, he was a junior hire when I was starting the movement. And to see full circle now, fruit, you have to stay long enough to see it. You've got to plant somewhere where you receive nutrients and resources and nourishment. Did you know that every plant has to go through the same seasons? That every plant has a season where they bear fruit and they don't? That every season, every plant has a season where they drop leaves? Every plant has a season of winter? But every time it gets cold in your life, you can't uproot? Because your nutrients, your fruit-bearing power comes in your connectivity in where you are planted. The quality of my fruit is determined by the quality of my root. 
I want to be connected over here, but I want to bear this fruit. You can only bear fruit from the place you're planted in. I hear people tell me all all the time, well, I'm kind of connected here and there, Pastor. I'm connected there and there. I'm just going to tell you, you need to find a church where you can be a life-giving member. You need to connect somewhere. You need to find a place. There's different seasons where people go to different places and different churches. I'm just telling you, wherever you go, make sure you stay long enough to bear some fruit. Otherwise, you're going to go through seasons and think, man, what was that for? Just stay long enough to see the evidence of what God's trying to develop in you. I'm going to tell you something. We're on a journey as a church. This is not a destination. This is not a finish line. This is not just to hold on until we see Jesus. We are on a journey. We are on a mission. We've got a community that has to know God and be strong and do great exploits and to do that it's not going to be in a moment of awakening it's not going to be in a moment of revival although I want all of those things it's going to be in the body that gets connected to Jesus plant you know the the plants that have the deepest roots are the most immovable the plants that you see get torn up in the storm are the ones that didn't have a good root system. Well, but my goodness, amazing fruit. Yeah, but as soon as the storm comes, they, they, have, they, have no, they, they have no durability because their roots have not gone down deep. You have to draw from the place that you're planted. When you come into this church, you come into this house and you sit in these seats, you can draw from this. You can draw from this house. When you tithe, when you give, when you serve, when you lead, when you receive, wherever you draw from this house. In your family, you have to make it a fertile environment where you, you can draw life in your home, around your dinner table, in your family. You've got to draw life. You've got to make sure that wherever you're planting is good soil so that it can bring forth good fruit. You cannot produce something that you're not planted in. Let me give you this last scripture, and we'll be done this morning. I know it's a little more practical today, but I feel like sometimes we neglect the practical in the light of spiritual things, of what we say spiritual things are. We want the shebang and the shepow and the big, but but we miss the beauty, the peace, the contentment of a God-centered, God-connected life. I mean, we, we just, we think that we need a deliverance every other day, and you probably do need some sort of deliverance. But you know what? Deliverance can be found by health. You wouldn't need to keep on getting delivered if you were careful who you walked with and what you delighted in. Because many of us delight in the wrong things. The things that we delight in are the wrong things, and that's what we think upon. And we're saying, I can't stop these bad thoughts, but if we would delight in something else, our thoughts would change. And then we say, well, man, I just don't know. You're so planted in our culture that all you can think about is our culture. You're so planted in what's happening in your neighbors that all you can think about is the next house, the next move, the next promotion, and you're missing that we are just like, we're travelers here. The Bible teaches that this is not even our home, that we are just passing through, that this is not, our goal is not success. Our goal is not to be great or to be known. Our only goal on this planet is to make him known, to advance his kingdom, to advance his purpose. We forget all this 
if we're disconnected. But when you begin to connect to him, this comes naturally. When you begin to connect with him, the word begins to come alive to you. And you can delight yourself in the law of the Lord. You can meditate it on it day and night. And then the Bible says that you will prosper. This word prosper, I love this. It actually means, it doesn't mean like prosper like we think it is. Like, oh man, we're going we're gonna to prosper. I'm going to be rolling up to church in my brand new. What? It's, it's, it's not that. And if you do, that's great. This is what prosper actually means though. It means to carry through to a successful result. What's the assignment God's dropped into your heart? To prosper means that God's going to carry it through to a successful result. I don't know if that's encouraging to anybody. It's encouraging to me that, to know that if I can stay God-connected, if I can stay God-centered, then what's going to happen is that the things that God's asked me to do are going to come naturally out. It's going to come naturally. I'm going to be able to do it. I don't know if you ever just caught a glimpse of maybe what God has for your life and it scared you or intimidated you or you're kind of like, man, I'm just kind of living a sub, just kind of a status quo life and I know there's more, but when you think about more, it just kind of startles you. This is the great news. These three steps in the book of Psalms are saying, if you do these things, then I will prosper you. I will make sure that you have a successful result. I will pull the greatness out of you and the assignment that's in you, and I will accomplish it for you. You just have to do the practicals, where you're planted, who you're with, and what you delight in. First Peter chapter 1, our last scripture, verse 3 through 9, it says, His divine, God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. I just can't know. He's given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. How do you escape that? By where you're planted, who you run with, and what you delight in. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort. Make, just listen to the verbiage. In the, we've been reading in the epistles and, and just listen to the verbiage. He says, make every effort. It's like, oh, it's going to be good to fast three times a week. So it's going to be something big. To add to your faith, goodness. Make every effort. Work hard. Come on, we can do it. Add to your goodness, knowledge. And to some knowledge, add some self-control. And to self-control, add a little perseverance in there. And to per- perseverance, you're probably going to need some godliness. And to godliness, let's just have some mutual affection. And to mutual affection, let's just top it all with some love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. What do you call a, f- a plant that can't bear fruit? Ineffective and unproductive. It will keep you. What will keep me? What will keep me? By making every effort to add to my faith a little bit of goodness. Good. Are you catching this? For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, you'll keep them from being ineffective and unproductive. But verse 9, but whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their, forgetting that they've been transplanted. Put, I take off my old man. 
And I put on my new man. I put off my old self with his passions and desires. And I put on the new self, which is being renewed daily. I'm being transplanted. I don't have to be like I've always been. I don't have to be my dad. I don't have to be my grandpa. I don't have to be my uncle. I don't have to be my friends. I can be something else because I've been transplanted. I'm a child of the Most High God. I'm a child of the King. I'm a son of God. I can be transplanted and receive the new and the life from the word of God and when I meditate on that revealed truth he sets me free and he prospers me pastor everything's going bad in my life just go through the checklist because we want the blessings but we don't want the recipe it's, it is like we, we stare at our fridge and we try to it's like I want brownies now brownies brownies it's like you gotta follow the recipe in order to make what you want to make. Peace, contentment. You are wearing yourself out praying for God, what God will give you if you connect. I'm not trying to just like mess your theology up. I'm just saying I believe in the power of prayer. If you know me, I love prayer. But we can wear ourselves out praying for things that God will produce in us naturally by being connected. That's amazing. I'll give you one last thought that I was gonna I was gonna wait, but it's so good. I gotta give it to you. It says in verse the second part of verse three, it says, and whatever he does shall prosper. That word, whatever he does, it, it actually means whatever he continually does. So it's this catch this. It is not I I did it. Now where it is my rhythm. It is the way that I live my life. It is not, if I do all this, checklist, 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 prosper. No, it's whatever he does and continually does, which means you're going to have to work at your assignment. That means you're going to have to work at what God put in you. That means you're going to have to develop it. You're going to have to be faithful to it. You're going to have to have persistence. You're going to have to have perseverance. You're going to have to give yourself to it. But whatever you continually do, he will bring you to the, the, the desired success. Not success that you have that you want, the success that he put in you. Would you stand with me? Everybody can take a huge sigh of relief that this series is over. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to tell you something this morning. We can change the world. I've been saying this the last couple of weeks. We can change the world by the fruit of the Spirit. We can change the world. We can change the, the, the perspective of Christianity in our community by having a God-connected, God-centered, fruit-filled life. Where are you planted? I want to just ask you this. What are you delighting in? What, what, are you, what are you delighting in? Who are you walking with? Who are you running with? 